0: What ends up happening, like I was going to point it out in I think the PO screen, you know, and I know you've seen this before, probably everybody has, but with the availability to maybe not add some additional descriptions or things like that, you know, there's a comment field in there, right? So what ends up happening from a user perspective, they end up figuring out how to make it work.
1: Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. Sage 300, also known as ECPAC, is the household name for many companies when they think of an ERP. System. It has always been a powerful accounting package, especially for SMBs. It has also been very strong with construction, real estate, and field services verticals, especially very deep functionality for unions, cost codes, retainage, submittals, and commitments. While most people might think that any package that might have project-centric functionality may be suitable for construction, that's not true at all. So would Sage 300 be any different than most construction packages? In today's episode, we invited a panel of industry experts for a live discussion on LinkedIn to conduct an independent review of Sage 300's capabilities. We covered many grounds, including their strengths in the construction and real estate industries. Finally, we discussed their construction specific functionality, such as union reporting, retainage, submittals, and transmitters. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And if you join for the first time, this is part of our industry series, for which we meet every Tuesday at 5:30 p.m. Eastern. We pick one vendor or the solution that we review independently for today. We have a very interesting solution. It's called um, Sage 300. Some people may remember it as a back solution. Typically, it is installed in the construction and real estate. Um, That's where it is uh, very uh, famous. So we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Before we do that, we are going to start with everybody's intros. I am going to start with my intro. If you don't know me, I am Sam Gupta, your host and principal at Elevate IQ. Elevate IQ is the independent ERP and digital uh, transformation consulting firm. On that note, I am going to move to Phil for his intro.
3: Hi, everybody. Phil Kerper, Managing Director for Ringling Business Solutions. We help executive leadership teams align their digital transformation investments with their core business strategies and accelerate and win what they're doing. And I'm coming to you with several decades of work in the C-suite with a lot of implementations of ERP and looking forward to a great show tonight, Sam.
2: Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Phil. Dave, can I ask you to introduce yourself next?
0: Sure. Thanks, Sam. Hey, everybody. My name is Dave Chrysler, and I own an operations consulting business working with leaders in manufacturing to help them create the systems needed to achieve operational excellence. And I come to you with more than 20 years of operations, leadership, and management experience. So excited to
2: join the conversation. Thanks, Sam. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Andy, can I ask you to yours. Thanks. Absolutely.
4: Thank you, Sam. My name is Andy Pratico. I, uh, I've been in the ERP business for manufacturing companies for most of my career. And I've worked all over North America. And uh, I've helped hundreds, certainly maybe thousands of manufacturers in my career. And in fact, I've uh, written a book that helps companies evaluate and uncover the truth about ERP.
2: Thank you so much, Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Andy. And uh, if you are in the audience and joined for the first time, make sure you guys send your questions and comments. Our panelists typically uh, review your comments during the show. We try to cover them. And uh, if we cannot get to them, then uh, our panelists will make sure that you receive your answers. On that note, I am going to start with a little brief about today's solution, and I'll give you a little recap about the, the Sage uh, as well. And I don't know, I don't remember guys, I I don't know how many sessions we have done so far on Sage. My understanding is that we have done the vendor review that was one, and then I don't know if you have done Sage X3 or Sage Intech, one of those at least. Phil, do you okay, remember? Like Intech, okay. I don't
3: believe I don't believe we've done X three. I don't think. so.
2: Okay, so that may be in the pipeline. So I'll give you uh, at least the overall positioning of where Sage is and how Sage three hundred fits in the value chain. Uh, so a couple of pointers overall from the Sage perspective, as we have done, we have done the review. Sage likes to target accounting firms. That's their bread and butter, always. Uh, you know, that's their primary target market, obviously they are trying to reach to the other companies but their goal always is going to be to please the accountants that's how they they penetrate the market that's how their product strategy and go to market strategy is structured and uh, we have seen across the spectrum of their products that they seem to have very deep accounting flavor uh similar to your uh your sap or if you look at Cispro, that is that has very deep accounting flavor as well. So any of the products that you are going to review from Sage, they are going to have very deep accounting in general, the way their products are architected, the way they are are flavored. Uh, Now, uh, you know, Sage also has had a lot of different products. In fact, they had one product for every increment of 50, I guess. They had Sage 50, Sage 100, Sage 200, Sage 300, Sage 500. Okay so i think they have figured out that they had to uh, they had to align their strategy so i don't know how many products are going to be in the cloud world not many number one obviously sage x3 is going to be there because that is their flagship product the second one that is definitely going to be there is going to be your sage intact because that is the cloud native product that they have acquired to compete with the newer breed of cloud native vendors now Sage 50 is sort of their lead generation in my mind, the way I like to look at it, because obviously that competes with your likes of QuickBooks. So Sage 50 may be there, but then when we look at their overall positioning, the only thing we see in their positioning is probably going to be Sage 200 cloud, especially if you look at their cloud journey, the way their customer journeys are structured on the website. So Sage
4: 50 used to be called uh, Simply Accounting at one time, didn't it? Exactly. Okay.
2: Yeah, you are right. Um, So every solution that they had, they also had names for that. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Sage 300 is called ACKPAC, 500 was called MAS 500, MAS 500. Uh, And then Sage 50, you already mentioned that, uh, Simply Accounting. I don't know if they had the other names for the other solutions. Yeah,
4: Peachtree was another one.
2: Yes, yes. I don't know which one was that. Do you remember, Andy? Which one I think was
4: that? it was 100s. Uh, yeah. Uh,
2: I think you are right. I think. And, uh,
4: right. and by the way, according to your agenda, I think we did X3 back in April. Did we really? It says here April 19th. I'm not sure if we changed that date or not. But. Hmm.
2: Maybe we did. I mean, that's what I mean. We have done a lot. So now we yeah. have to keep up. I, <laughs> anyways, just whatever. Okay, thank you, Andy, for that comment. Um, so now, uh, when we look at the cloud journey, we don't really find the references of 300 at least, okay? So you are not gonna find when you look at the, the overall customer journey on Sage. That is not to say that they are not going to continue with this product. Sage 300 was especially very strong in the CRE vertical. In fact, I mean, the only product that they had for the CRE vertical they like to posi- they like to position was ACPAC solution. Okay, it was really strong, it was targeted uh, there. It, so, from the strategy perspective, it had similar strategy as we had reviewed for Microsoft SL last week, that Microsoft SL, nobody really knows about it because it's positioned for a very specific industry. Now, what
4: Sage it's, is trying to damned, For those who don't know what CRE stands for, you might want to describe the acronym.
2: Do you want to take that, uh, Andy?
4: I don't have a clue. No, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot, man. <laughs> It's, Come on. It can, basically,
4: it's construction.
2: Uh, construction and real estate is what it's And real yeah? estate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Andy, for uh, clarifying that. Really helpful. Okay, so Sage 300 was always positioned for that vertical. Sage Intact is trying to bring the, um, the, the functionality inside... Uh, Sage Intact, but uh, you know I don't know how strong that functionality is as of today. Uh, yes, they are targeting the construction and the real estate vertical, but uh, right now it is not going to be as strong as your Sage 300 or the ACPAC solution overall from the uh, maturity of the solution perspective for the industry. Sage 300, I don't know if it is going to be re-architected for cloud, Based on the screens that they have, it looks decent. It's not too bad, but I don't know whether it has been re-architected. So I will pause there for any commentary or the research that you guys might want to share. I'll
4: I'll give you a little tidbit tidbit of history. Uh, As you mentioned, Sam uh, Sage 300 used to be called ACPAC in the old days. And that was a a software company uh, located in Vancouver, actually, Vancouver, B.C., And uh, they had an amazing marketing strategy where they had training and learning of the ACPAC product to be all part of the CA and CPA uh, certification. So, of course, once the CA or CPA or the professional accountant came out of their certification programs, they already knew ACPAC.
2: So guess what? It exploded and it was incredibly popular. Completely agree. In fact, I mean, Sage, that's how Sage likes to target the market. A lot of other companies do that as well. You have SAP as part of curriculum. Uh, that's how SAP became so popular. So obviously, ERP companies are trying to get in either the universities or in the accounting community. And that's a great marketing strategy. So Sage definitely is there. All right, guys. So if you guys don't have any other uh, comments, Dave, Phil, do you guys have anything to add? Well, I was just going to give a, 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 a little
3: market information that I found comparing... X3 to 300, and um, they're, they're pretty similar in size. They, I, the data I found online is Sage X3 has about 3,800 customers, and Sage 300 has about 2,400 customers. And of those 2,400, uh, 1,200 in the U.S. and 562 on this sheet in, in Canada. So relatively focused on North America. And also I agree with what you said on the accounting piece and then and then some, some depth on that vertical. Um, I've seen Sage 300 used in other places, but the limitations definitely show up if you get too far out of their lane, is so, in my experience.
2: So, Phil, I think I may need to clarify the numbers there a little bit. And we have a slide where we have numbers for Sage 300, and yeah. I want to be careful with the numbers. So, my understanding is that they have roughly 40,000 installations. Okay, four0. and I believe on that and the reason for that is because Sage 300 uh, competitor was actually Microsoft GP. and Microsoft GP and Business One, okay? My understanding of business One from the show that we had done, SAP business One had roughly 70,000 installations, Microsoft GP had roughly 60. Uh, pack has roughly 40,000 installations. And the reason for that is because these solutions are sold to the SMB business as the accounting solution. So their footprint is going to be far larger. Sage X3 number may be accurate, Phil. Okay, that's a very large solution. That's not targeted as accounting. It's not designed for, you know, five ten dollars That's much larger solution in terms of size. Overall, the way the product is, is architected. So I'm not too sure about the source of the, the, the numbers that you are referring to.
3: I'm looking at it, and, and thanks for clarifying, because I, I haven't obviously haven't vetted this. It's a site I've used before. They're also calling it Enterprise Share, so maybe this 2,400 customers—that maybe they're trying to compare apples to apples in a certain customer group. I also thought that number looked really small to me, which is part of the reason why I brought it up. That, that but and that's customers, not installations. But yours is yours is more vetted, obviously. Yours is looks like Wikipedia or something. It's a little better. So you're, I'm going to go with your numbers for sure, Sam.
2: Yeah. And sometimes it could be very hard because they might be comparing the enterprise numbers, as you correctly pointed out. So, so read between the fine lines. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, we'll uh, look at Wikipedia and, and we'll see. Uh, Andy, do you have any any commentary there by chance? No? Okay. Dave, uh, you are smiling. I don't know if that is uh, your video that is smiling or Dave. You're smiling because that's... I've blown it
3: twice. I didn't remember <laughs> X, the X3 and I was wrong on my numbers. So I've, I'm two strikes here. A third swing
2: of the bat, you're going to send me home, Sam. Oh, boy, you guys are so funny. All right, anything else, guys? If not, we will move to... Just in the middle of your screen, uh,
4: it's interesting to note that uh, Sage 300 initially ran on Btree. That's the uh, database they now call Pervasive SQL.
2: Yeah, and we have seen, Andy, if I remember correctly, I think there were a lot of different ERP systems that were running. and, And on that, and by the way, I mean, this was very mainframe as well, but Sage actually did a wonderful job. And re-architecting that on the SQL server and obviously it is so it is not something like uh, you know Epic or Eclipse, uh, which is completely mainframe in the background here we are talking about uh, you know re-architected solutions obviously all right guys so if you don't have anything else uh, we uh, are going to be reviewing some slides so here in 2012 I guess Sage renamed ActPack to Sage 300 uh, and they were sort of create trying to create the series and that's why they have done it but they have gone sort of back and forth with respect to their names so now i don't think they are using the 300 500 series uh, they are sort of they have gone back now sage x3 is called sage x3 and uh, intact i don't think they are going to probably give the number so they have moved away from their numbering scheme uh, or or the marketing so here from the history perspective i think andy was right that they were very mainframe based you know the way they started but they have re-architected this Uh, And right now, if you look at the database structure, they are definitely MS SQL based. So they are saying since Sage 300 to 16, only the MS, uh, Microsoft SQL is supported. So they were actually doing both. Uh, They probably had similar strategy as SysPro. SysPro was doing file based and then database in a couple of versions. And then they sort of, you know, move to the the database because the migration could be very difficult for some of the customers if they don't want to move. I think SAP ran into the same challenge with their SAP Business One. So here they are talking about uh, just supporting the the Microsoft SQL database. Here they are also saying, say software acquired Actpac from Computer Associates was the company. I don't have anything else. And I remember the Canadian history, I was looking for that comment. And maybe I have it on the other slide, but they were very penetrated in the Canadian market. I thought I had some reference because the way they penetrated, you mentioned that, they had the training module. That's one aspect, but they also had very specialized Canadian payroll, and sometimes these features right. could be a huge barrier. And in the construction space, you need the payroll; otherwise, your ERP is not going to work.
4: <laughs> so well, I'll, I'll tell you all something kind of kind of interesting from this screen. Halfway down, you'll notice that it was. Uh, the Windows version marked more to client server move, uh, marked the move to client server and was developed with the all new code in cobol well here's an interesting fact cobol was invented the same year i was born
2: andy andy <laughs> brilliant comments they have to be there part of the show right andy <laughs> thank you so much for that <laughs> all right guys so i think this is where the the numbers are coming from uh, by the way fellow uh, and uh, So this is the number I I believe this is taken from Sage's site. They have it listed as part of their site itself. So obviously, I don't think they are going to be that off. So here they are saying all in one business management software. And this could be tricky to read. OK, so now when they say all in one business software, my understanding is that this slide is taken from the Sage 300 page. OK, so now that could be the number for Sage 300 which I'm inclined to believe, to be honest, because of the size of this. Okay. But sometimes what companies do as they are probably going to position this number for all of their solutions. So it could be slightly tricky to read. Uh, or or sometimes
4: of, you know, they mean a number of seats, not the number of customers. They use, sometimes use seats and customers synonymously to make yeah. the number expand.
3: But I, I, I think th- you caught the flaw in my number earlier, Sam. I think that I went back and looked at that uh, page. And like I said, it's a reputable site. And, and they were they were trying to compare X3 as an enterprise to Sage 300 yeah. in the enterprise space.
2: Now that's, we have our answer there. And here as well, if you we look at this comment, it says over 40,000 customers across 150 countries. By the way, Sage solutions in general are very well localized and global. And that's why they are going to be present in a lot of countries. So they, they are saying in a variety of industries, trust Sage 300, to manage their uh, finances. So obviously they are being very clear and deliberate in saying that this is num- this is the number for SAS 300. So uh, we know that it is definitely that. Okay, so now some of the very unique features that I found on SAS 300, and typically that's what I am looking because that's what drives, you know, which industry the solution is going to be uh, fit for and which are the industries that it really targets, because you are going to have those key details in any software that you are going to go for. You are going to find them uh, to understand, okay, what is the flavor for my software? What is the mindset? What is the psychology? Uh, So that's where I like to focus on. So here, if you pay attention, number one, the number of tabs you are going to see on your purchase order screen, there are only going to be four. So that is your indication that this solution is very small in general. If you look at even the mid-market solution, uh, if you are going to look at something like, uh, you know, Info Cloud Suite Industrial or NetSuite or Acumatica, uh, you know, those are probably going to have 8 to 12 tabs. And it's not that they are trying to increase the number. <laughs> they have to have them because it becomes very hard to manage on just one hierarchy. And that's how your hierarchy is structured. Uh, if you look at the, the way the data is sort of structured in the background. So here, the data is going to be far flatter because the smaller companies probably don't need that detailed hierarchy that you are going to find. Let's say if you look at unit of measure, the number of, uh, you know, your customer hierarchies can be supported. Uh, Typically, in larger solutions, you are going to have far more. Um, So that's where the key differentiator is between the ERP systems. So here, this is definitely for the smaller size customers. And. That's probably the reason why it's called Sage 300, because the way their numbers were done, Sage 50 QuickBooks, Sage 100 slightly bigger, Sage 200 slightly bigger. <laughs> then Sage 300 is going to be somewhere in between. Okay, Sage 500 is going to be their biggest solution. Then you have Sage X3. So that's how their hierarchy was structured traditionally. Sage was very focused on the SMB market. They never wanted to target enterprise market. Okay, if you look at the numbers and, and one of these slides, I remember. Uh, I think six years back, okay, nobody knew Sage as the ERP company. When they were talking about ERP companies, they'll always talk about, okay, top three or four are going to be your SAP, Oracle, Microsoft, maybe in four, okay, that's how they used to talk about. But if you look at the SMB market share, Sage was always number one, SMB market share, okay, in terms of the numbers, but nobody really uh, spoke about Sage as their ERP company. The reason for that is because Sage is perceived as very accounting company. That's how they are positioned in the market. So that's where I I think people sort of mistake. But Sage, as of today, has very deep uh, ERP capabilities and they do really well in certain industries. I think the
4: Sage 500 system has been more or less replaced, even though Sage 500 was targeted at machine shops and job shops, and Sage X3 is more focused at process. But I think it's not really, Sage 500 isn't really marketed anymore
2: i don't think they are going to carry with that to be honest because the discrete market is very competitive as we both know and the sage's market was always either construction real estate agriculture food uh you know process industries that's where sage was released okay so that's why sage 500 was sort of the misfit yes they are going to target sage x3 for that right now if you talk to sage they'll position for discrete manufacturing But the solution is not really designed for that. We both know that.
4: Well, the other thing was the Sage 500 system always was reliant on third party accounting. So so it was kind of the odd one which one is different amongst all their products?
2: Exactly. And sometimes it could be very tricky overall, the way Sage worked, to be honest. Sage was very weak in general in the CRM functionality. Okay. And, you know, there was a time when they started sort of, uh, you know, selling, not selling. Uh, positioning Salesforce with their products because they knew that they will not be able to bring the DCRM function. In fact, Dell Tech has similar strategy. They are not trying to compete with Salesforce. They are trying to align with Salesforce that, okay, I'm going to be accounting solution. Hey, Salesforce, use us as your partner in your deals. So that's how, you know, Salesforce approach the market. In fact, Andy, there is one more finer detail that I found with a lot of manufacturing customers. So you would find Sage as the accounting solution with a lot of different companies. And then you are going to find Epicore as their MRP. If you look at the traditional, uh, you know, uh, companies when one ERP could not do it all. So for accounting, you either use SAP, Sage, uh, you know, or QuickBooks, obviously. So these were very accounting focused solution. And then you had the MRP. Uh, and uh, in fact, let me see all of these companies, whether the, the ones that are manufactured, manufacturing focused at this point of time, whether you talk about Apico or Rootstock, Infor, they were all selling MRP, but then everybody became ERP now. Everybody's trying to compete with each other. <laughs> okay, so here, some more com- commentary. Now, I see some of the fields such as last receipt number. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense, to be honest. I don't know why they would have last number on a PO. So typically, the way receipt process works is, you know, you are going to have a receipt and you have a, one to n relationship between your po and the receipt now there is something going on here that i am not able to figure out why you need to have an extra number for the last receipt unless receipt means something else typically for po it's going to be a receipt that you are receiving on a po based on each of the line that's how the receipt works so why do you have last receipt number again this is going to be a limitation some sort of limitation that they are probably not able to tie the PO and the C together. That's why you now you have some of the dates in some of the industries. I have seen they use a lot of dates on a PO. And the reason why they would use those many dates is because they don't have the underlying functionality of how your PO lifecycle works. So they have to keep either a lot of different statuses or dates, and it's going to feel very bloated. Uh, But again, the limitation is going to be either in their processes or in the data structure. That's why they need to have that. Here, they have arrival date, which is not too bad uh, in my opinion. But again, why would you have on the PO? Maybe that's a promise date. I have seen promise date on the PO as well. So that's very interesting overall in my mind. Um, now, the only other tabs that I am able to see here is going to be probably Texas. But if you look at the PO functionality, it's very lean in general. Now, the other things that I noticed on the PO tab is going to be, and by the way, this is the item screen for the PO okay so they have the weight unit of measure now if you look at weight a lot of discrete manufacturing industries are probably not going to have weight typically you are going to find that in food and agricultural business and you will find a lot of flavor you look at sage products you are going to find the flavor of agriculture and food and that's why you have the weight unit of measure you are probably not going to find that even on SAP uh, because SAP does not like to target that. Uh, (laughs) uh, They don't compete with Sage in in the food and agriculture world, uh, agricultural vertical, because Sage is going to be far stronger overall in terms of the exploration management, uh, you know, functionality, weight, catch weight. um, That's where Sage really shines. Uh, And by the way, they have the whole layer for the weight management. They have weight unit of measure. They have unit weight. They have extended weight, just the way you're pricing and discounting to work. So that is just fascinating for me. But if you look at the unit of measure, they don't have as they don't seem to have at least as many layers for unit of measure that you are going to find on other larger products. For example, let's say if you look at Sage Intact, Sage Intact, when we reviewed that, it was very lean product in general as well. Again, it, it it was perceived as more of the accounting solution in my head. I could not see. Much of the operational functionality when I review Sage Intact. So this is similar. Unit of measure is very lean and basic. So obviously this is going to struggle in the distribution space, in the manufacturing space. This solution is not really designed for that. It's a very construction service-centric solution. Um, you know, it does really well in the real estate and and, and construction uh, as well as food.
3: On that on that right side of that last one, Sam, you did have an expected arrival date, so. For whatever reason on that screen, they seem to have a promise date functionality, but not
2: on the last one. Exactly. But it is there. So my understanding, Phil, of this is going to be that this is probably going to be at the item level and the line item level. That's probably why, uh, you know, you have the estimated arrival date for each of the item, uh, but then you have the arrival date for the whole PO. So, you know, that probably will translate into the arrival date. I don't know.
3: (laughs) I guess that's possible. I'm used to seeing it in both places, but, I but I guess it's on an item level. Maybe that's extra functionality. Actually, if that's yep. being used, obviously, if you're going to use it for demand planning, you need it on the
2: on the item level. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So now the other uh, key point that I missed on this slide is going to be the vendor item number. And typically, when you look at the decent sized distribution software, they are going to have multiple vendors and multiple cross-references for one item. Here, you just have one vendor. So that's going to be a limitation. Again, not designed for distribution. If you are doing, you know, using this as your accounting and you have light distribution, you might utilize that. But again, this is not targeted for distribution. Uh, the other thing that I noticed, and I don't know whether you guys have seen this or not before, I have personally not seen anybody doing the shipment entry. Okay, so you either do order entry or you do invoice entry. Let's say if you are not going to go through the the sort of the order entry process and you simply wanna uh, generate the invoices directly. Okay, but I have personally not seen the shipment entry. So maybe you guys can tell me if you guys have seen. And again, I don't know if they are doing this because of the underlying limitations of the data model, or maybe in some industries you might have to do that. And this, the way I read this, it almost seems like that they might not have transfer order, and you know shipment entry may be used for the transfer order functionality as well. Because you have the ship to location code. And my assumption of the ship to location code is this is probably your internal warehouse that you are trying to ship to. So I'll, uh, you know, open up the, the floor and ask your opinion, guys. Have you guys seen shipment entry anywhere? Phil, Andy. I'm
3: kind of with you on this one. Maybe it, maybe it's a transfer order or some sort of cross docking. But typically, you can, I, I, I don't know why else you'd, you'd use that. I mean, you have invoice, you have receipt. So the, I, I'm with you on this one. This one's a little confusing to me.
0: The See. only time I've, I've okay. seen something similar was with a, a different system. And, and in that particular situation, it was uh, that the shipment process was kind of a siloed process, even though it was like a, it was, I guess, technically the best way to, to say it was it would have been a bolt on to the actual ERP. And so there was a shipment entry process. to be completed for, you know, for that to to flow back into the ERP. But that'd be the only thing that I've seen that would be similar to.
2: Exactly. And you don't want to have multiple entry. I mean, that's the entire idea of doing the order entry. And that results into your invoice as as the shipment. So your operations and finance are sort of, you know, running with the same data. But this is really strange for me.
0: Yeah. In, in that particular situation, it was a bit of a mess, especially out on the out on the shop floor. Uh, a lot of, as you can imagine, right? A lot of back and forth, a lot of changes, a lot of mistakes. So.
2: so they have some very interesting piece of functionality. By the way, I mean, this is great, although it is a very small solution in general. Uh, obviously, this is something that everybody's going to love when you look at the visual tracking. And this is very similar to SAP. Obviously, SAP was very, sophisticated the way they did this is all sort of the baby version of uh the the visual tracking uh you know uh but any of the finance solution that you are going to have that are going to be really complex and finance you probably require the visual tracking otherwise it becomes very difficult uh to trace uh and and debug and monitor your costs. uh that's why probably they have these visual workflow for your financial processes Okay, so one of the things, and again, this is my assessment, and and I always like to bet my own ideas as well, uh, you know, and hopefully they are not biased. Uh, so it, my perception of Sage product is always going to be they are very friendly to accountants and accounting and finance people. Okay, so here they have a process, and this is something I have not seen in a lot of ERP systems. It's called provisional. Okay, the way provisional posting works is, so it's almost like you trial and an error before you send an email, you can test whether you can send an email or not. Okay, so that's how this particular process works. So here, it's actually gonna mimic the whole process, whether you can do the GL entry or not, and you can look at the errors before you actually make an error. Okay, so when you are going to be in very audit-centric industries, that's where these things are going to be really handy, and the reason why these things are handy is because you know your auditors are going to be asking a million questions if you do any incorrect entry, even if you that mistake was genuine. Uh, sometimes to <laughs> to explain that could be could take let's say two days, five days, seven days, and that's a obviously- waste. So that's why the accounting systems actually, uh, especially the ones that are going to be targeted towards the uh, audit-centric industry or publicly listed uh, you know uh, companies they are going to have far deeper functionality for cfos as well as for the accountants have you guys seen that before a provisional posting well, i'm to-
3: trying to make sure i understand it sam i have not seen this as a gl but i've seen it as a transaction i've seen uh, the enterprise systems commonly that if that you can decide to uh, save and then post, or you can decide to test and then post, and it'll tell you what the errors are so if i'm trying to if I'm trying to do an inventory transaction i can I can run it and it'll tell me if there's if there's any errors before I actually post, but I've never
2: seen it called GL provisional posting, so that's why I'm not sure I'm understanding what the functionality is. and I want to make sure we are clear here, so there are two things I guess you know a lot of systems what they do is they will make something like unposted and after that the only thing you need to do is approve. So typically the way, the reason why that functionality exists is you know, you are gonna have data entry people who are going to be doing a lot of data entry. And typically your accountants are simply going to review and going to release. Okay, so that's why you have the unposted and posted process and a lot of different systems. My assumption is going to be, I think I have seen this in the enterprise systems because they probably would require this, but this is like a, running a real batch. So when you are posting a GL batch, let's say if you are gonna have any sort of errors. So here in this particular case, they are saying, Period six in fiscal year 2020 is logged, so you'll not be able to post it. Uh, If you try to post, then you might leave some traces there. So right now, don't post it. Fix these errors first and then do the actual posting so that you are not impacting that whole audit workflow and you are not leaving any traces that will require explanation later. So that is the intent of this functionality. Here, it also says that cannot post to an an inactive Account In this particular case, the person is trying to make a mistake and system is trying to warn that, OK, this these are the problem. Fix this before you decide to. Talk. Phil, are you with me yeah, on this? that? That's,
3: that sounds right. I just I'm just I'm still not completely sure I got my head around the functionality here. It, no system is going to let you post to an inactive account. Right. So, I mean, you know, you're going to get an error whether you try to post it or you're going to get an error to whether you provisional post it. I'm not completely I'm not completely clear if it's a batch, then maybe that's maybe that gets me closer to an answer on
2: that on why this. So, Phil, I can see where you are with this, to be honest. And you are absolutely right that if the account is going to be uh, logged, then obviously you'll not be able to post it. Where this is going to be handy is let's say you try to post and you sort of, you know, half of the thing of that batch worked, but half of the thing failed. Then if you have to reverse the whole batch, it becomes very hard. To reverse, right? So that's where this is going to be handy. That okay, yeah. you have some problems. do Not try to post it. If you post, you might run into the data integrity issues or <laughs> inconsistent behavior. So don't don't post it right now.
3: I, that that I can I can see that being useful. You're bash posting. I can definitely see. Dave. Uh,
2: No,
0: I I was just going to add to that. I mean, you know, considering it's for the SMB market, it could be Phil too, that, you know, it's, I hate to say it, but a bit of a marketing spin from a kind of error-proofing logic standpoint, you know, in a typical enterprise system, you're going to have accountants and people that understand, uh, you know, the batch process, reversing the batch, catching errors, things like that. This could be something to, kind of walk people non necessarily uh you know accountants that are are handling these transactions kind of into that a non cfo role uh perhaps you know to kind of walk somebody through what does this look like what are we going to do with this i mean where you would traditionally hear it probably presented in a a, a different a different light maybe with the in enterprises amazing uh
2: if you guys have anything else we can cover those or We can move to the next one. So here, this is going to be a very thick service, field service-centered functionality. And we have seen field service functionality in a lot of different systems, especially if they are going to be targeted for construction. So this is, I don't know if this is going to be add-on. My understanding is that this is slightly different system than your real CRE component, but it integrates really well uh, with your Sage 300. And this has very deep, field service functionality in general, um, you know, especially for these verticals. So here you are going to find very deep flavors of cost codes. And sometimes people don't understand how construction is different. They might be able to say that, you know what, you have retainage, you have, uh, you know, you have to do sort of the cost basis billing, but they can't really explain that, you know, the cost codes, the the foundational element of your ERP systems are going to be very different as well. So if you try to use any sort of manufacturing uh, system for construction, Good luck with that. It's probably not going to work because the way your cost codes, the way you do your timesheet and report, the way you are going to be doing your reporting for unions, it's very different in the case of construction. And again, this is one of the best construction system out there, even though it is not going to be as large. But in general, the construction companies are either going to be smaller or they are not going to be as operationally complex. And that's why, uh, you know, systems such as Dell Tech or Sage 300 can run very large companies as well. This is your union functionality, and this needs to be inbuilt as part of your ERP. If it is not built, you are going to struggle a lot, okay? This is literally a layer, the way your transactions are going to be reported. Uh, You know, the way you report in your manufacturing transaction here, you are trying to report your construction transactions. And if you don't have those union layers and the payroll supported as part of your ERP system, it, it, it might be fun overall from the integration perspective. So make sure that that is inbuilt as part of your ERP system. And this is why this is really strong with the uh, construction as well as for. Yeah, we've seen this type of functionality in a couple other packages, but
3: this really looks great.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, so now, again,
4: Sam, how, how yeah. would you compare the payroll capabilities built into a third party or seridian or one of those
2: so in my experience i think that the handshake the integration is where the real trick is in general okay so when you talk about running payroll for a manufacturing if you are not going to have any sort of unionized labor then your competition of the payroll is not going to be as complex but if you are going to have more variables uh, and the variables are going to be from your shop floor that's where the real trick becomes in doing the payroll. Because think of this as more of the sales commission. Sales commission becomes very complex when you are going to get the percentage of, you know, especially if, if you are uh, doing very, very, very complex sales comp. Uh, that, okay, I am going to be comping you when I get my invoice. I'm going to be comping you when I create my shipment. I'm going to be comping you. So, you know, you could make very simple sales commission or you could make very complex sales commission. The same way your payroll works as well. Sometimes it is going to be mandated by government. So you don't have a choice there. <laughs> okay. So that's where the depth is overall. When you look at the, the overall handshake, how embedded your payroll functionality is going to be as part of your operational transaction.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's right, Sam. At the the, this is this. Remember, on the ERP, you're connecting to bids. You're commit. You're connecting to uh, compliance. Yep. You're connecting to uh, uh, how your invoice against those bids. You know. So if there's certain assumptions on how much union labor you're going to use, or which which ones there, you also might have reporting to unions themselves that that are required. It, then your the your handshake to your payroll is is paying the check and making sure the taxes are right. And I, and I don't see that functionality in this particular platform. I think you're still going external, Andy, to to actually do your payroll functionality is the way I, I'm thinking about it. Sam, does that sound correct?
2: So Sage is going to have Sage payroll that is probably going to be integrated as part of your 300. So they have very different functionality for 300 uh, CRE solution. Uh, and the reason why they haven't integrated in this particular case is because construction requires it. In fact, Acumatica has done the same thing. They never wanted to do the payroll functionality, but if you look at their construction module, they are going to have the payroll integrated, provided by Acumatica as part of this.
3: Interesting. That's helpful because that's not been my experience with other packages. Even the ones that had some payroll functionality, like the like the union screen, it's still there was still value in having a third party like ADP or someone actually do the payroll and connect it to the to the uh, time clocks and the and and the other things that they that they provide and the taxation they provide that's in and the portals they provide. So your employees can go manage certain functionality too.
2: Yeah, and by the way, on that point, I think the portals that these guys are gonna have are going to be very different as well. Because in this particular case, you are not just collaborating with your vendors, you are collaborating with your subcons. okay? And the whole collaboration is going to be very thick in general, okay? The way you are going to have vendor collaboration Uh, In your manufacturing, in your process-centric industries, here you are collaborating with your GCS, you are collaborating with your architects, you are also collaborating with your subcons. And each step of the process, you are probably going to be doing some sort of split. So that whole handshake is very difficult as well. And that's what makes construction extremely challenging uh, overall. And that's why you have things like, you know, job estimates, RFI, uh, you know, work centers, production units, Uh, you know, if you have any sort of, you know, weather issues, you know, sometimes there could be cost impact because of that. (laughs) so you are going to have all those things you are going to have incidents you are going to have insurance claims so again it becomes very 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 thick and deep the way the 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 costing and and tracking is done in the construction business that's why you have all of this functionality that you are not going to find in vanilla um now uh, there are some other flavors the way the collaboration works so for example let's say if you're collaborating with your gcs you are going to be doing a little bit of drawing as part of your specification and that needs to be part of your workflow if it is not that Sometimes that could become very challenging when you are doing these submittals, transmittals, uh, and there is a whole tech process there. Most companies that I know of probably are going to use something like Procore for their operational management or construction. And they typically use something like Sage 300 for their accounting piece. But you know, Procore and Sage 300, as well as Sage Intech, they are really married together. Okay, Sage understood that. You know what? <laughs> uh, there's no way I can be the whole operational piece because Procore makes it really easy. And Procore has become very large enterprise-centric solution the way Salesforce is. And that's why Sage is trying to align themselves with Procore a lot. And, you know, and, and that's why, let's say, if you are a slightly bigger organization, then Procore and Sage 300 is probably going to be your ideal bet, um, you know, if you're in the construction um So I don't see anything else that we can cover here. The reading unit of measure is very unique as well, that you are not going to find in the other uh, solutions. So they have that because they need to capture the equipment reading and based on that, your billing is going to be who is using, who is renting, who is the owner. So there is a little complexity. Uh, then uh, we have the compliance management for subcontractor. That's a big deal. You have a lot of lawsuits. So obviously you need to make sure that subcontractors are going to be insured. Uh, you know, there are obviously casualties uh, on the site as well. So somebody needs to take care of that. So typically that falls uh, under the responsibilities of the operations manager and Dave knows about it, you know how that goes. <laughs> it's not fun at all. <laughs> okay. So these are some of the things from the project setup perspective, and that's very unique as well. The way your costing is going to be. For example, the way the commitments are going to be in this industry are going to be very different. Uh, you know, uh, your, if you look at some of the inventory commitments or the manufacturing commitments, those are very different from how construction is going to be treating them. So it's a very unique functionality for construction. And again, your submittal and transmittal process is actually embedded as part of your the whole project manager. then retainage is a big deal it's just beast okay the way it works it's a very unique financial workflow if your system does not support it you are going to struggle a lot so make sure you have that if you are in the construction. that's more or less a showstopper exactly and some of the manufacturing companies that are selling in construction uh, for them <clears throat> as well it could be a showstopper because the way their billing works could be very different. You can't simply take a workaround that, okay, I'm going to treat this amount as written age and I'm going to accounting in this account in, in my chart of accounts. Um, typically, the functionality is slightly deeper than you would.
3: And the way this screen is structured, it, it, it's really well put together.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Guys. Okay, uh, then we are going to be looking at some of the things. And again, the, the whole accounting gets very deep. When you look at the, the cost tracking of each of the element of your projects. So if you are running an IT project or marketing or legal project. So this is built into to Sage 300? Yeah. Wow. That's why it does really well in the uh, customer. It's really designed for that.
3: So you really got an interesting tell here, guys. Look at the original margin, 9.13%. Pending change orders, 86. Approved change orders, 68%. Yep. Total with approval, 9. Just in case you wonder where, where the contractor's making their money.
2: Yep, yep, yep. And <laughs> and you are talking very construction specific problem right now, Phil. baby. I mean, 100% because you're low bidding it and you're making it up on
3: the changes and that's not a secret. I mean, that is the way that is the way life rolls. Yep.
2: Uh okay. So now here we are talking about very deep document management functionality as well and you are going to have very thick stages uh from the document management perspective as well. Some people may argue that, you know what, if you have some sort of Enterprise document management, that might be okay. Uh, even with this, you might be able to build some of the customer statuses. But again, these are very different statuses. In fact, companies don't actually like, say, 300 for the submittal and transmittal process. Typically, they are going to require something like Procore. And Procore has five or six different competitors that are really strong in that operational functionality. In the collaboration, submittal, transmittal, they are really, really strong there. Uh, so even th- they are not going to be happy with this functionality. Most of the estimation managers. Uh, the construction project managers, they just don't like it. Um Now, this is where, and, and again, the whole submittal piece gets very interesting as well. And this is going to be a collaboration when you are doing the collaboration with your architects with GC subcons. So that whole collaboration piece is very, very, very deep. It's almost like they are part of the same company. That's how deeply they collaborate, but that's not true, right? Because they all have their own books and account system. <laughs> now some people may even the activity reporting the way activity reporting is going to be manufacturing activity reporting and construction activity reporting is very very different overall the way that works so again construction is a very different way in general okay some reviews before we open up for the commentary so here this is uh, this is the comment here the user is saying says 300 accounting act back is one of the simplest accounting platform to use out there. And the reason why you are feeling it is simple is because it is smaller in size. It is not going to be as restrictive as some of the larger solutions. So again, the size matters. If you are small, use a small, you will find it's easy, simple, but once you grow, then you probably will require slightly more complicated solution. Uh, Then it also says that after 20 concurrent users and Phil now, you know, this is where the comment is going to be. Overall, based on the size, so it says that after 20 concurrent users, uh, you know, cost of ownership becomes pricey to get enterprise level controls and process flow, you must purchase third party add-ons. So the reason, uh, you know, why Sage has priced this way is because obviously they don't want to make lower than anybody else but let's say if they are selling to five million dollar companies you know the deal is going to be far cheaper but once you get to sap level they are probably going to be charging the same so companies are going to be choosing say 300 because number one it's going to be cheaper for these smaller companies. or if you are going to be either in the agriculture uh, or you are going to be in construction real estate space then you will be choosing this because but let's say if you are in any other patches there is not really a rationale why you would choose that's a big one to try to understand the fear because once you're
3: on 300 and if it gets pricey it might be pricier than some other solutions that you might desire but it's a full implementation and change it even within the sage family I from changing from one to another like she a is partner. a
4: relative adjective right it's,
2: we that's don't know true that, too.
3: that that's true that's a very good point too so that you know we don't know if that's competitive or not it's just more than this customer expected it's a great point
2: exactly guys so some more comments here so here this is the management consulting business which is probably okay so here uh this person is saying basic accounting in ap cannot add second default gl account code in vendor setup can you guys believe okay so these are going to be the nuances where the layered hierarchy is going to be limited. Okay, these are the details that matter for your key. So again, you know, these are the basics that are going to be different. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm super shocked with that comment there. And, and I could see a lot of limitations overall, uh, but you are probably going to require this when you are going to be in slightly more. Distribution-centric industries, but maybe you don't need that for concern. It
4: goes back to the size of company that the product's targeting, though, too. Because if you look at the score this guy is giving it, it's nine out of ten. <laughs> Yet there's some limitations that seem rather basic. So his expectations are not that high.
2: Yeah, and I very rarely care for the score. That's not what I. I just don't see it. Uh, <laughs> so here, uh, you know, I have one more comment here. AR invoicing is uh, to field size in the description, limited uh, to field size in the description, client have asked for more detail. And by the way, I mean, this guy is a consultant uh, probably for other industries. So that's why he's saying clients have asked for more details in certain cases. Context helps. It's not very detailed documentation. I think I've seen a lot of different problems because of that. Some more. So this is the Duke Reality Corporation. This is the right fit. In this particular case, they have 200 to 500 employees and they are saying track job cost at a detailed level. They're going to appreciate that pay our construction vendors, going to appreciate that, bill our customers, going to appreciate that. Now, the lag behind in project management features, such as RFI, and the reason why they are finding it shocking is because they would use something like Procore for that some more. So here, the user has actually commented that cs 300 ERP with Procore, and this is the construction company 11 to 50. Even that small company requires Procore. Uh, You know, so you can imagine, you know, how complex the construction gets. So here they are saying seamless transfer of commitment updates. Now, commitment is a very thick functionality in general. And when that flows from your operational to your ERP system, that becomes the seamless process. And that's what they are appreciating because Sage 300 is, is very well uh, integrated with your procore then they are seeing integration of budget modifications between Procore and Sage. And again, the budget mod- modifications that Phil was talking about, you know, modifications and those change orders, that's a nightmare. So <laughs> you don't want to eat up all of your cost or margins because of your admin effort.
0: Yeah, but Sam that uh, that negative comment says allowing owner change orders to update Sage, so it doesn't sound like the change order portion is a part of that, just the
4: at least not part of the
0: integration. Budget, yeah, just the budget modifications.
2: Yeah, I I think that's a great observation right there. So I believe the and I don't know, I mean you guys probably can chime in a little bit more there in terms of what would be, my understanding is going to be that change order functionality is going to be there between your ERP and Procore. That's my understanding based on the data flows that I have seen, but either user is off or something is going on here that I, I don't know what what is happening here. Sorry, Dave.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it, it could be a, a user issue as well, Un, unclear, just based on a little bit of a description there.
2: Exactly. All right, guys, so I'm actually going to open up for the commentary from you guys.
4: Well, the, the product itself has been around forever. You know, it was probably. I'm not sure when Computer Associates first designed it or, or released it, but I bet you it was in the 80s. And uh, you know, they've had a very strong following and, and an excellent reputation. The biggest challenge that I always find with these types of systems is uh, is the quality of the integration to third party built add-ons or bolt on. And you know, not always you're going to have that. Like that one comment Dave made. You're not always going to have those clean integration points at everywhere that you'd hoped or expect.
3: Yeah. I, I yeah. like the fact that they know their lane and they sorry, David, I'd like the fact they know their lane. They seem to stay in their lane. They really just, They really added functionality, real deep functionality in the key parts. So I, I, I like that. I, I, you know, I think that, I think that gives them a, a, a spot. It'll be interesting to see if indeed they're going to sunset this, how they go about repeating that type of depth of functionality in some of their other products. I think that's, Got to be pretty challenging. And then I'm a little surprised at a few of the comments on the financial package because what I'm used to in Sage is they they grew up as a as a as a finance module and they're usually really good there. So I was a few was surprised a little bit. Like you explained it as it's a skinnier, smaller product. But I mean, you know, multiple addresses on an AR account or some you know having a second default GL. I mean, those are those are not you know, you don't need to be that deep in order to have that, especially if you're known for finance. So I don't know if that was maybe some misunderstanding, but I thought that was the surprise.
4: And sometimes, you know, these these opinions are directly relational to that person's experience and it might not be correct
3: might not be correct or they just didn't ask the right person the right question or right, exactly. They ran out of money with the SI.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, that was one of the
3: Some Sorry, of that Dave, too, I Phil. I mean, No, no, no. It's
0: okay. Uh I, all I was going to add to that was, you know, some of that could be a, a carryover from, you know, kind of that uh, you know, the legacy journey really. And, and to me, you can, I know we didn't really talk about it tonight, but you know, we haven't in in other, uh, reviews and, you know, as you really look at those detailed screenshots, you can see, uh, the difference of where the technology lives. I mean, you can see the kind of, you know, outdated, if you will, UI with the, uh, kind of, you know, back from the nineties, uh, data records, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, forward and backwards versus you know some of the more uh, web-based uh, you know UI screens that you're going to see kind of later in the presentation. So I think to me it speaks to all of that, and and I agree. Phil, it would be interesting to see you know how does that move forward. I, it's to me the challenge that everybody has uh, with these solutions is how do you move this forward? Uh, you know, continuing to develop and Duplicate the existing uh, functionality.
3: When you get used to that UI, I mean the the, the users become very proficient because I've, I've worked with companies that have this product and they get very proficient. But you're but it it it's you don't have the multiple functionality and common screens thing. You're always going to a screen to do something very specific, and then you're jumping somewhere else to do something very specific. Well, and if someone's used to a cloud-based system and they go to this, they they're they're, they're going to not be happy. Yeah. If they're used to this, they're going to say, okay, well, I, you've seen these these users work. I mean, they're just flying around doing it. They've been doing it forever.
0: A hundred percent. But what ends up happening, like I was going to point it out in, I think the PO screen, you know, and I know you've seen this before, probably everybody has, but, you know, with the availability to maybe not add some additional descriptions or things like that, you know, there's a comment field in there, right? So what ends up happening from a user perspective, they end up figuring out how to make it work and then you know you lose that visibility you lose that data in the system it's too difficult to pull out and to you know really do anything with so again to your point phil yeah they're great at you know figuring stuff out and keeping things moving and being used to it but it's that you know kind of change piece and then where does that information ultimately go that you know had the solution maybe evolved to that next level, uh, you know there'd be some additional visibility across the the
3: business uh,
2: any more short comments anybody Yeah, we uh, have one uh, comment
3: just commenting a little bit about about union and and uh, you know what would be caused if someone went from a union shop to non a union shop but but I think actually in that in that particular case this this software, regardless of if you were evolving or not, probably gives you a pretty good sense. so that was the one comment
2: that yeah, made. I agree. Uh, anything else guys? Uh Dave, Andy? All right, guys. So that's it uh for today. So obviously if you are a small to medium sized business and the construction real estate, verticals and maybe in food, this is probably going to be uh not food. I want to be careful there. Agriculture. Uh, okay, food is probably not the right fit. So agriculture, this is probably going to be a great fit. Uh, so make sure you are going to be including this as, as part of uh, your evaluation if you are in those packs. Uh, on that note, uh, that's for today. If you're joined for the first time, this was part of our industry series for which we meet every Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. And uh, we always review one vendor or the solution. So make sure you guys are going to be here next week. We are going to come back with others on that note. Thanks everyone for your time and insight tonight. Thanks, thanks everybody. Thanks. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Dave Chrysler, head over to the thechrysler.club. It's T-H-E-C-R-Y-S-L-E-R dot C-L-U-B. If you want to learn more about ND Pratico, head over to essoft.com. It's e s s o f t dot com. If you want to learn more about Phil Kerper, head over to ringlingbusinesssolutions.com. It's r i n g l i n g b u s i n e s s s o l u t i o n s dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you, in your business you might want to check other related episodes including the interview with Phil Carper, who shares his insights into executing on DTC strategy also the interview with Bahadir Ardem, who shares his insights into the supply chain issues and processes for construction building material and roofing industries also don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds if you have any questions or comments about the show please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or dm me on any social channels i'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help thank you and i hope to catch you on the next episode of the wbs thank
1: you for listening to another episode of the wbs podcast